what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Andre Hutchins, and you are listening to episode 114 of the Backseat Directors podcast. We've got an incredible show prepared for you guys today. We're going to be discussing, well, we're going to do just a quick a quick review again of Tenet, uh, but we're going to mostly talk about Christopher Nolan, the director, and his filmography. Um, we've got a new guest on the show today as well, uh, so uh, I'll, I'll introduce him in just a bit. Uh, but listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate the support that you guys continue to give to the Backseat Directors podcast. Um, it really means a lot to me. We do it for you guys. Um, if you guys want to show some more support to the show, I would ask that you guys go on iTunes and leave us a review uh, for the show. That That is something that's going to help the podcast out so much. Um, so yeah, if you could just take just one minute, go leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. That'd be great. Um, and yeah, if you guys want more Backseat Directors content, just go to BackseatDirectors.com. You'll find a plethora of movie reviews and other articles from my, uh, our team of writers at Backseat Directors. They really uh, produce incredible content. I just uh, want you guys to know where to find it. Um, and yeah, so uh, everyone, thanks again. And let's go ahead and get on with the show. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, I've got my co-host here, Ryan. How's it going, man? Hey, dude. Always a pleasure to be on. Yep, I'm happy to have you back. And first time guest, Brian. Now, let's not. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna use a Rye for Ryan, and I'll just stick with Brian, so <laughs> not to confuse too much. But, <laughs> but Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the Backseat Directors Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time coming for sure. Yeah, no, it has. It has. So I'm just going to give you a little quick intro, then I'll let you uh, take it from here. But um, uh, so Brian and one of his friends, uh, what was your friend's name again? Uh, Well, Alfred runs the uh, runs the account currently with me. Okay, cool. So So Alfred Murphy. Yeah. So you guys started um, your Twitter account, DR Movie News. Um, I'm, I, I think kind of back when, uh, I kind of got things going with backseat directors. Uh, how long has it been officially for you guys though? Summer 2017 actually. Okay. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah. the same. It was the same year. So I, I started backseat directors in March of 2017, but, uh, you guys have really taken Twitter by storm. Your account has grown substantially. You guys are almost at 12,000 followers. Uh, you, you release incredible content i love following you guys i know rye uh with his account they love following you um you know just keeping keeping the twitter world up to date with movie news breaking news um you know uh, box office updates and uh and yeah i know it's it's uh it's really cool what you guys do but um kind of tell the listeners um i guess what sparked your interest in creating the twitter account and um yeah just just i guess if the listeners who aren't familiar with the account uh just tell them about what you guys are all about uh well we got started way back in 2017 uh, me and a group of buddies uh neil who was the original uh member of dr movie news we got started back in 2017 because we have a little movie group of friends and we've always kept up with our scores. We're like we have a little score uh, note on our phone. We're like we always do our like little review and discussions and stuff after every. We've done that since I can't even like remember eighth grade, ninth grade, <laughs> awesome. since we were kids basically. <laughs> and uh, we've always watched uh, YouTube. So Chris Stuckman was like a huge like influence on us. 
to kind of get going. And we originally thought that this would lead to like, I don't know, maybe we start a YouTube account. Maybe we do something because we've always had a huge love and passion for talking about movies. And uh, but we started with Twitter uh, because I actually posted a review on my personal Twitter account. Uh, I think, yeah, it was Alien Covenant. I posted a review on Alien Covenant back in 2017. Yep. And it, and it, and it blew up. And I was like, I was like, you know, like I really like talking about movies with all these guys. And that was like my introduction to film Twitter because I was not really a Twitter guy before that. Yeah. So we, yeah, we kind of all got started from there. And I was like, you know, it'd be fun if we, uh, we posted reviews and stuff, you know, talked about movie news because we always we were like big box office geeks. We're like, oh, what is this going to do opening weekend? Like we always have our little predictions and stuff like that. And this was like a way to like, I don't know, get our voices out there, you know, because we have a real passion for it. So I think yeah. that's awesome. Your passion definitely shines through in the work that you guys do on Twitter. Um, if some of our listeners right now don't follow you guys, uh, what, what can they expect from you if they were to go on Twitter and follow your account? Well, you would expect to be up to date uh, on the definitely all the big stuff for sure. Uh, It's been it's been rough lately because of the pandemic and all the stuff going on. So we haven't had like as much content. We've been kind of like, you know, doing a little like fun stuff, posting scenes and like doing like talking about our favorite scenes and stuff like that. Rankings. Uh, But like news, we we stay up to date on all that stuff. You you'll definitely be up to date on news. And uh yeah, just it's it's an open like it's really just for fun movie discussions. That's really what it's all for. And it's just like we try to keep it like as least amount of negativity as possible, which is <laughs> which is something on Twitter. Yeah. And I think we've done a solid job at that. I think we've done a solid job at keeping it pretty, pretty open discussion We're we're not really I mean, we've gotten to some disagreements with people on twitter to say the least <laughs> but uh it's all fun it's all good fun so. no I, I i definitely want to uh I, I want to reiterate that because you guys you guys do keep it very civil and um at least on twitter uh people's opinions of movies uh, go as deep and as passionate as their beliefs in religion or politics you know and so you know everybody has an opinion on movies right. and you know I, I commend you guys for definitely keeping it civil on your account that's very admirable um but i'd be lying if i say if i wasn't a little envious you guys have had a, a, incredible amounts of success and kudos to you guys honestly like the more i've noticed your account growing um just the more the more professional it seems that you guys have kept the account and i th- i just you know pat on the back for you guys that's awesome really appreciate it sure so um okay so Ryan and I, or Rye, I'm going to say Rye, I got to remember that, Rye, we, uh, our, our most recent podcast episode, we did kind of a deep dive into Tenet because we both saw it last, well, actually, Rye, you got to see it two weeks ago because it came out in the UK before the US, right? Yeah, the UK were, uh, I believe, one of the first countries to um, to get it, yeah. So uh, we, on episode 113, um, we, you know, we did a, a spoiler-filled uh, discussion for that, but I, uh, but Brian, I want to give you a chance to give um, your review of Tenant. I know you went and saw it uh, this past week as well. Um, I, I just um, without uh, without getting you know too um, too into spoilers, but tell tell me your thoughts on the movie. Um, tell me you know whether or not it met, met your expectations. I know you're a big uh, fan of Christopher Nolan, um, so yeah, let, just uh, yeah, let's hear your thoughts on on Tenet. 
Well, I will say that it met my expectations for most things. Uh, the The spectacle of it is insane. It totally delivers on all the visuals, all the action, and it. Uh, but my big issue with it was that it, I think it was a little bit too convoluted for its own good, and I feel like, I feel like that the sound mixing was a massive issue. Yeah, <laughs> a massive issue. In our theater, it seemed like the background noise and the score when it, even when they're like just walking down like a hallway and talking, it seemed like the dialogue was like less of importance. And I was like, no, this needs to be top of importance. Like I, I'm trying to keep up with the story. And while like it becomes easier to follow in definitely the third act, you, you kind of get a sense of really what's going on. That first act was, I, I, I was having a really hard time wondering like, wait, what are they talking about with Michael Caine here? You know, you know, like, what is the significance of this? And then right. like later on, you kind of, you kind of forget about that discussion. It's like, wait, <laughs> did that hold some type of importance? Am I supposed to recall that in some way? You know, it was, it was brilliantly directed. John David Washington is a freaking star. Yeah. That dude. Oh my gosh. Pattinson. I don't even know why people are still hating on Pattinson at this point. <laughs> just get over it. The dude, the dude's great. And I've been saying that ever since good time. Like this dude is a phenomenal actor and, uh, I think he'll do an incredible job as Batman, but like, that's another discussion. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, it's a very entertaining movie overall. It, it definitely held my attention for it, that two and a half hour span flew by yeah. for me. Um, I just left like it, I just left a little puzzled by a few things, and I haven't seen it again, uh, not yet. I, I may actually be able to see it in IMAX tonight uh, with a few other buddies. My uh, Neil uh, hasn't seen it yet, so uh, did you I get to see it in may... IMAX the first time? I did not okay. actually. It was completely sold out for the first week as soon as tickets went on sale. So. Yeah, so we saw it in right. No, we saw it in Dolby Atmos. So the sound was awesome, but it kind of we, our sheets were the seats were shaking when they're just walking down the hallway, and it's like, come on, I need to focus on the dialogue here. But you know, I I really enjoyed it overall. I think I give it four stars or uh, eight out of ten. Nice. Uh, I I feel like a second viewing is either going to bring that up or bring it down. I'm not really sure. Uh, but uh, I feel like it all goes back to rewatching that opening scene and paying really close attention without any spoilers. Yeah. So you brought up a lot of points that Ryan, uh, Ryan and I talked about in our previous episode. And this was something that I had asked him because I had heard going into Tenet, I had heard that the the sound mixing was a little challenging and that people were having a hard time understanding dialogue. Um, specifically in the scenes where there's there's dialogue while they're wearing masks, you know. Um, and, uh, and so I asked, I asked Rye and Rye, you can speak to this as well, because I know you said you didn't see an IMAX, but you saw an adult Dolby Atmos theater and you said you didn't have any issues understanding the dialogue. So maybe, maybe the film that they sent to the U S to be distributed in the U S theaters was different than what you guys got in the UK. I spoke, I had a friend from the UK who I caught up with, um, and he said he had 
Uh, same issue. But yeah. he, he, he said he puts it down to the fact that he, ha- he has sometimes a bit of an issue with focusing too much on other stuff than the, than the dialogue. But he did say that um, it felt like a bit of an issue for him. So possibly, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just wasn't concentrating hard enough. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I totally plan on seeing the movie again at least one more time while it's in theater. And yeah, I, I, I think I think getting it getting it out of the way the first time and knowing that, holy cow, this is a pretty complex movie will create a better second viewing experience. But um, um, tell us your thoughts. One of the things uh, that we also talked about in the previous episode, Brian, was that uh, obviously this is one of the first movies since Batman Begins that Hans Zimmer has not scored a Christopher Nolan movie. So what did you think of Ludwig Göransson's score and how does that compare to the previous work that Zimmer's done? I really love the score. I love the score, but it did seem like Nolan just said, Hey, uh, do Zimmer, but like, that's not a bad thing. I, I really like that. And, uh, Ludwig, I feel like he's an incredible, like up and coming composer. Like sure. the Mandalorian is one of my favorites. Black Panther, a fantastic score. Uh, I just feel like it was a little too loud and it was like, it was a lot of boom, 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 boom. Like, you know, it, it was run of the mill, but, but it's a Nolan run of the mill. So yeah. it's still a great score. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great I take. Really, yeah. I, re- I really enjoyed it. Cool. So, um, since on, on backseat directors, we, we don't necessarily do ratings for movies. We, we prefer to do recommendations. The backseat director scale is a no go, maybe matinee or go see it. So what is your recommendation on tenant, Brian? Uh, it's definitely a go. It's, cool. it's definitely a go. just for the experience, just to get back into theater. It feels so good. It feels so good to get back into the theater with the popcorn, the whole experience. No, you know, no one's going to deliver that theatrical experience, and he delivers. Even, even I, I feel like you need to see it just to be a part of the conversation uh, about the movie because it's really the it's the only movie worth seeing. Well, New Mutants was horrible, <laughs> but uh, it, it's the only one worth seeing until Wonder Woman. I feel like if you can find some time to see it, go see it, and I feel like you'll enjoy at least the spectacle of it even if you don't enjoy the story as much as you would expect yeah so yeah i agree yeah. i agree yeah uh, ryan and i yeah. we both yeah our our recommendations were definitely go see it yeah uh, great stuff man great stuff so okay listeners um really uh we uh, not just not just talking about tenet since uh, ryan and i we filled you guys up with a lot of tenant information last week, but uh, we want to focus uh, most of the discussion today on Christopher Nolan and his filmography. Uh, Christopher Nolan has cemented himself, in my opinion, as one of the greatest filmmakers, not just uh, currently or of our generation, but I think of all time. I think I think he has eclipsed that status now. And so I, I wanted to get into to some discussions with both of you. Uh, and Rye, I, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say, Rye, because uh, Christopher Nolan, I know he is your favorite film director. Um, but maybe I'll start with that. Brian, do you have a favorite film director? Yeah, it may be uh, it may be standard, but my favorite filmmaker of all time is Steven Spielberg. Uh, but I think no one's getting up there. Yeah. I, I really, I really think he's really cracked the code at being able to make original, big movies where they make money. And I feel like that leaves a whole span of creative. I mean, he has freedom. He has all the freedom in the world. He's he's Christopher Nolan, and I feel like just the word, the name Christopher Nolan. I feel like it's pretty much a household name at this point. 
So yeah, I, I feel like I feel like he's definitely solidified himself as one of the greats for sure. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a very short list of directors who, if you drop their name and you don't know anything about the film, you still get a lot of people excited about the film and whatever that film is, just because of who the, the you know director is that's going to make the movie. And Christopher Nolan is is on that short list for sure. Um, so. Um, Rye, let's, let's start with you. Okay. Where, um, where do you think Nolan ranks among the, the great filmmakers of Hollywood? So for me, I, I like to try and take my opinion out of stuff when we're talking like this, because obviously Nolan's my favorite director. So for me, if we're just talking a personal preference, then Nolan would be at the top. If we're if we're taking ourselves out a little bit and looking at sort of achievements and and um, maybe that level of respect and and sort of more more factual things, I think that Nolan is is still obviously clearly up there. Um, but maybe he he falls down a couple of levels. I'd I'd say that Spielberg is 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 probably number one. I feel like Spielberg's probably the the top dog in terms of the amount of awards and stuff that he's won, how long he, his career has spanned on a high level of success. It hasn't, it hasn't, I, I would say it's probably dropped off a little bit compared to maybe what he was like in the nineties, but it's still massively up there. And then I think some like Scorsese is, is a big boy as well. I think he's, he's massively well, well respected and, and yeah, and he, I think his films are held, held in a higher regard to Nolan and then for me, I think Nolan would probably sit at a third. Um, I think the way that Nolan's, um, Nolan holds that title for more of that modern day director. And I think it's quite impressive for him to kind of really um, to do that um, in a world where things such as like the Marvel Universe and everything is really dominant in cinema to be able to make his name is something that I think it earns a lot of respect and also the films and et cetera that he's done. So, so that's where I would put it. Um, and then if it was to, then so that's trying to take my opinion out of it. But obviously for me, it's, if we're just going for an overall, who's my favorite, it would be Nolan. Yeah. And Brian, you brought, I, I want to go back to what you said just before this is that he, he is uh, one of the few directors that um, is able to create an original story and still smash the box office. Cause that, that is something, especially, you know, in, in today's era of Hollywood, that's something really hard when you don't have an original IP. If you're not dealing with Star Wars or Marvel or DC, you know, to kind of have Absolutely. that bona fide where you're going to have a financial box office success, knowing, you know, that Christopher Nolan is going to direct a movie regardless of what the movie is. Um, and he's proven that. So, and I think that goes to what uh, Rye was saying and just this, the status that he has achieved. So same question to you, Brian, where does he rank among the legendary, legendary filmmakers? Uh, I would say top five. Uh, I mean, immediately I'd put Spielberg at one. Uh, I would probably say Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I would say Tarantino is up there. Um, and are you just saying like all time, like, yeah, um, like Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore. Sure. Yeah. And you don't necessarily, Uh, I mean, if, if you, if you made a list, you know, and if you ranked them, let's hear it, let's hear it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if there are just, you know, ones that you kind of want to, um, you know, include in there, go ahead either way. Uh, I mean, personal favorites. Uh, I mean, it's kind of obvious if you follow DR, you can, you can expect a lot of Raimi material. (laughs) You can can expect a lot of Sam Raimi. Uh, Sam Raimi is one of my all time favorites. Uh, same with Alfred. 
my uh, my co-runner at DR. And also, like, as a massive horror fan, my favorite horror director of all time is John Carpenter. I feel like John Carpenter is one of those directors. And I feel like Nolan and Carpenter have a lot in common, which is which is uh, another question that we have coming up I, is where I want to see Nolan uh, go next. Uh-huh. I, I feel like there's some similarities that uh, he has with John Carpenter. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Nolan is – I think that Nolan is in maybe top four or five directors of all time. Uh, in terms of just making smart, incredibly written blockbusters that are still like you, he's like you. You can have the run of the mill movie go or go in and be like, oh yeah, th- this has incredible action. This is an entertaining movie with a great story. And then you can have like the hardcore movie fans come in, be analyzing everything, and then no, it's like you can find something new every single time you watch a Nolan movie. Every single time, every single time I watch The Dark Knight, I find something new. And that's incredible considering I've seen the dark Knight probably 150 times. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you know what I mean? So, so yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's a great answer. So I want to know Rye, since he is your favorite director, have you actually seen every Christopher Nolan movie? Not the shorts. I'm not including like, you know, like the, the short films, all his feature full length films. The only Nolan one which I haven't watched, which is quite bad for me to say, for favorite, <laughs> but the only one was his was his first one. But I've watched, uh, I've seen everything from Memento onwards. Uh, so the one that came out before Memento was called Following in 1998. Um, yeah, very good. Okay, so just just one shy. What about you, Brian? Same question. <laughs> I have not seen two Nolan movies. Ah. I haven't seen follow. I haven't seen following either, which is terrible because I own it. <laughs> I actually, no. I, I own every Nolan movie, but I still haven't seen following. And I still haven't seen Insomnia, which yeah. uh, I will probably see uh, very, very soon. I because it's really bothering me because I made I made a, a list on Letterbox of like my Nolan rank and it just bothers me every single time I look at it. I'm just like, I have to watch following and I have to watch insomnia. And uh I've heard great things about both of course, but yeah. Well that, that's my you, same Andre? answer. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. I, I have not seen following and I've not seen seen insomnia. I, I watched Memento for the first time a few years ago. It was streaming on Netflix here in the US and uh and my sister, uh, my younger sister of all people, um she she's the one that said, Hey my husband and I, we just watched this and you've got to watch this movie. And my wife and I, we sat down and watched it. And I was, I was just blown away that, that, and it makes sense now. It makes sense that Nolan was given the opportunity to, uh, to tackle Batman and, you know, and given a lot of, um, you know, creative freedom to direct his other movies as well, because, because of how good Memento, uh, Memento, Memento is, so if Memento's that good in his earlier years, I'm really hoping Insomnia and Following are at least on par with that one because that's a brilliant movie. It's really good. Um, okay, so here let's let's go ahead and. Uh, th- whoa, we whoa, got- whoa, Andre, where do you hold on? Rewind. What? There's three of us here. Where where do you where do you rank him in the greats? Don't you guys give your uh. answer? You <laughs> so Nolan, he's he's toward the top. He really is. It's really hard for me to to really pinpoint um kind of a favorite director because there's 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 a few directors 
who um who've disappointed me in the past and uh like okay so for example like when i when i was really getting into film like in like in high school when the matrix came out i'm kind of dating myself now um you know you never heard of the um the well how do i i don't i I don't actually don't know how to (laughs) How to call them now? Because I know they've uh, transitioned. Both of them, the brothers, have now transitioned to women. But uh, the the Wachowski sisters now, I guess. Um, you know, Matrix. I think was such a revolutionary film, um, and and how it progressed CGI and stuff like that. It was so original and so incredible. But you know, they they just have not done that well since. You know, so I, I there are so many filmmakers that have come out and just really blown me away. But the consistency is where where I think Nolan has set himself apart, where a lot of people have been saying Tenet is his worst movie, you know, or The Dark Knight Rises. Okay, well, if The Dark Knight Rises or Tenet are his worst movies, he is... <laughs> you're doing pretty good. You're doing a lot better than most people, right? I mean, yeah. you know, because <laughs> yeah. even, you know, you think about Steven Spielberg, and maybe, maybe his only blemish is Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Like, and that movie was a stinker. You know, and it's hard. It's a lot of people, I think, are shocked that he actually directed that film. But uh, um, and not that, you know, that's not to say, hey, this doesn't mean that he is maybe the greatest filmmaker of all time, because all hail Spielberg. Um, but I don't know, man. It's hard. It's hard. I, I mean, I would probably say maybe top three, you know, not not putting it in any order, but definitely the top three of all time. That's that's where I think he's definitely reached that status in it. And it's unfortunate. You brought up uh, you brought up. um Quentin Tarantino, you know, you see these filmmakers that have such a, a, a incredibly original films and yet have not been rewarded at the Oscars. I think I think Nolan has got to feel pretty frustrated. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, big time. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because I feel like every single one of his movies that he's made could have easily been nominated for Best Picture. Especially seeing what is nominated for Best Picture pretty much every year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I still think it's a crime against all humanity that The Dark Knight wasn't nominated for Best Picture. Uh, hey, man. <laughs> what, was Inception nominated for Best Picture? Inception was nominated, but then yeah. Interstellar wasn't. I think for me, Dunkirk, he's getting the. Uh, Dunkirk was nominated. The treatment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, then Dunkirk was. Yeah. I think he's getting the uh, DiCaprio treatment in the sense where I think that. Because for me, I would say like, and I think a lot of people would agree that generally, like you have people have their preferences, but the dark, the dark night would probably be Nolan's, like number one. I've got generally, like I've, I know that Andre, you pop Batman Begins higher, etc. But you know, generally, and I think the fact that that never got nominated, Inception, good, like that's fine, I love that film. But then it's just a little bit like I think people will always ask those questions of. Well, if he won for this, why the hell was he nominated for Dark Knight? And I think that started, hap- started happening with DiCaprio, where he just started doing these roles, and it's like he should have won for Wolf of Wall Street and and stuff like that. And then I think I don't know. It's like is it this? They start worrying that then they'll be like start picked apart if they give an award for an, another role that maybe isn't as good. So therefore, they just don't want to do it and get into that. So they just completely avoid that whole conversation by just like snubbing him because it doesn't it doesn't make sense he should i for my opinion i think he should have won for for dunkirk like it it blows my mind that he didn't win for dunkirk personally yeah i would agree with that 100 percent. yeah so i think i mean 
maybe, maybe, you know, later on, um, toward the twilight of his career, he might get one of those, uh, you know, kind of like honorary Oscars or whatever, you know, where they'll give him an Oscar for, for his movie, but it's, we all, we're all going to know that it wasn't his best movie, you know, kind of like, I, I, just like you said, you mentioned Leonardo DiCaprio, he won for, uh, Revenant, right? Revenant. And yep. he, 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 I'm, I'm going to say he was very good in Revenant, but I, I, I don't think it was his best movie, not even by a long shot. I think he was even better in the most recent, uh, Tarantino movie, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. I thought he was brilliant in that movie. Um, but no, I, I agree, right? Yeah. It's kind of frustrating, uh, just to, and you know, I, I, you know, who knows, who knows how much it actually bothers him, but, uh, <laughs> okay. So, uh, we did get a question. This is actually one of the first times we've ever done this. So, uh, uh, lucky listener, um, <laughs> you, uh, you're kind of, uh, breaking through, uh, some breaking new ground right now, but this was from, um, um, a Twitter user with the hashtag King of Monst- uh, Monsters with a U, King of Monsters 1, asked, what genre of film would you like to see Nolan tackle next that he has yet to do? So, Brian, you were already kind of alluding to this. It sounds like you have an answer. Uh, let's hear it. Uh, yeah, I want to see Nolan crack into the horror genre. Uh, 100%. Just And not only just the horror genre... But like, you know, I, he's repeatedly said, I want to do everything in camera. I would love to see no one team up with a big time makeup effects artist and do some crazy body horror, like the thing (laughs) and do some crazy, uh, psychological horror too. I mean, I feel like it's in his wheelhouse. He's put horror elements in a lot of his movies, uh, Batman Begins, you know, Scarecrow, very, very creepy character uh, and very visually creepy character and uh, as well as the Joker. And and Memento kind of has like a creepy vibe to it uh, all the way through. So it's definitely in his wheelhouse. And I I feel like that would really bring Nolan down from like the big blockbuster streak that he's on, kind of bring him down. But at the same time, take him in a whole new direction where we can see him tackle a whole new genre. And I feel like that would be a cool fit for Nolan. Yeah, no, that's really cool to think about uh, him doing horror could be really interesting. What about you, Ray? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like the Batman begins stuff. Definitely. Um, for me, uh, a rom-com jokes. Psych. Do <laughs> 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 a serious rom-com ever. Um, <laughs> Time horror travel horror, horror is a really good shout, even though I'm not a big um, big fan of horror films. Um, but uh, so if I think I was to pick something else aside from that, I think I'd go for like like a sports film. I think the way he um, is really good with kind of like big dramatic moments. I think he could do something really good with some level of sports films. Um, I know he's dabbled in saying he'd like to do some sort of biopic at some point so maybe doing it based on a sports star like i was know like like the last dance was pretty epic that documentary doing something on like michael jordan and i think that he could really those those games where like there's a lot of weight to it and you watch it and they really build up suspense and stuff i think nolan could do like could really put a different different spin on how we see like his sports films i think sports films at the moment are very they're very like emotional driven you end up feeling like you're gonna cry at the end of it because they finally lift the trophy and all that stuff but i think nolan might take it to a different level where it feels more like super tense and like really kind of 
high octane like sport would be i think would be really cool dang man you guys got me both excited for thinking of some of those nolan films potential nolan films yeah i'm just thinking of a nolan baseball movie and how epic that would be (laughs) that would be so awesome zimmer's music as well oh absolutely i immediately think of like moneyball would be like his style of uh that would be the closest Nolan sports movie right now, I feel like, would be Moneyball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. I can yeah. see that. Cool, guys. Yeah. Okay, let's do this. Um, what are your top three Nolan films? And go ahead and give an honorable mention. I know it's really hard to choose these movies. Um, but here, I'll go ahead I'll go ahead and I'll give my I'll give my honorable mention, then my top three, and I'll let you guys go. Okay. So I I I know I know this is a little controversial, but my honorable mention is the dark Knight. <laughs> so, um, and, and only wow. because only because Batman begins is my favorite Nolan Batman film. Um, and I, how I determine that is because it's the one I've seen the most. I've, I have watched that movie countless times. And as much as I love the dark Knight, I always feel like if I'm in a mood to watch a Batman movie, I always turn on Batman begins. So, Honorable mention is The Dark Knight. Number three is Interstellar. Number two is Batman Begins. And number one is Inception. That is my list. Uh, Rye, why don't you go next? And Brian, you'll uh, you'll close us out with your top three. Um, honorable mention. I think, to be honest, for me, honorable mention, I, like, it might be because it's so fresh, but um, like I'm so involved, like, involved in Tenet at the moment. Like, I've been thinking about it for, like, two weeks straight since I've seen it. So it's really made an impact on me. So I want honorable mention that, but I feel like it's just too fresh and I'm being a bit biased. So my, another one would be The Prestige. Like, I mm. think that film is just in- incredible. And one that a lot of people, like, when you go, oh, you know, it's Christopher Nolan, they're like, oh, really? It's it's kind of got that under vibe of it, but the quality is just still Nolan standard. Um, so I, I love that. But um, so my top three, starting from three, two, one, um, three would be Interstellar. Matthew McConaughey is so good in that particularly. Um, number two would be Inception. Um, and number one, anyone that knows me, would be The Dark Knight, clearly. Yep. <laughs> All right, Brian, your turn. All right, my honorable mention uh, is going to be Batman Begins. Um, and rounding out three uh, would be Interstellar which I just rewatched a few days ago because I did like a mini Nolan build up to tenant uh, marathon and rewatch uh, interstellar. And I actually brought it up above Batman Begins. Batman Begins was my number three, Ooh. but I brought, I brought it one step up. Uh, I really love that movie. And a lot of people don't like how it ends. They think it has like a, like an overly sentimental ending. And I feel like that's like Nolan's most Spielberg movie feeling wise uh how no spielberg always go for, goes for the emotion at the end and i feel like no one really nailed it because that's like such an emotional end for that movie uh and my number two would be inception and number one would be the dark knight oh that's, so did, nice nice did yeah, you guys uh, i think we outside of your honorable mention i think you guys had identical lists yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. Oh, we very did. good. Well, yeah. we all had Interstellar at number three, so I guess that's saying something about Interstellar. Yeah, I got I got to see that movie again in IMAX last month, and it was incredible, just incredible. Love that movie, and that's that. Would, okay. I, I would say that's my favorite uh, Zimmer score for a Nolan movie. 
so far so far so that's interesting i, I always say it, like every time but the 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 docking scene is just what is my favorite scene oh, in, like really? ever i think it's just it combines everything that's great about cinema just like the acting the score this like cinematography just like it, the emotion it brings from it it's just it's like 10 out of 10 on anything that you want from a film it hits everything at 10 out of 10 it's unbelievable that that moment like shocking with matt damon happens to matt. it's just <laughs> so good and that's one of the reasons why i hold that that film so in such high regard i feel like that scene also has like the most cheesy but the most badass like line when uh uh where he says no it's necessary or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, that is like, I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Inception. I saw inception two weeks ago in IMAX, which was pretty, which was pretty cool for the 10th anniversary. Yeah. It was awesome. I would, oh, I would love to see interstellar in IMAX. So did it, did it not? Something I've never um, done. So what, what are the local theaters near you that have been open for these kind of replaying old movies? So we've had two that have been reopened. Uh, they're all recliners. Uh, one of them has an IMAX, and they've been playing Inception nonstop until Tenet came out. Oh, so. Okay, okay. But that... but I, but I, I've saw I've seen a few uh, older movies in theaters. I, I've I've seen Goonies twice. Oh, nice! I love that movie. <laughs> I've seen Goonies twice. Went and saw Harry Potter the first one with my girlfriend. That was really fun. But yeah blast i love going back and seeing old movies in theaters so cool yeah 2020 has been a a really unique year and i think just uh uh i don't know kind of at least where i live and i know for you rye as well because theaters uh living here in utah for me theaters have been open for a few months now and they've just been showing old movies and so having having the chance for for people to go and revisit movies without because sometimes i it's I, and i don't know if you guys ever feel this way because i i want to see as many movies as i can i love watching new movies but there's so much new content it can feel overwhelming at times and so you know during the pandemic since no new movies are coming out it's been so cool to go back and just revisit these old movies that you know just mean so much so it's been been a lot of fun but uh um you guys this has been an incredible discussion um really really good stuff i mean uh, it's obvious that the three of us have quite the bromance for uh, christopher nolan um <laughs> 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 okay but brian before we get you out i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of put you on the spot um I, I forgot this is actually something we do with every new guest that we have on and i want you to have the chance to do it so um we have our set of get to know you questions um i can we can save it for another episode if you want to get prepared or you can tackle the questions right now. There are five. So uh, only one Let's I think it. is going to really kind of require you to think. But uh, but are you, you want to you try it? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, yeah, man. Let's so, do it. Let's sound, do it. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, um, so yeah, like I said, I mean, th- these are questions that we ask every new guest, and I'm happy to ask you these questions because uh, it's just going to be fun to hear your answers. Um, but the first get-to-know-you question, Brian, is what is your desert island movie? So uh, I, a lot of people ask, hey, why, why only one? And I say, okay, well, we'd be here a long time if you're going to list all these movies. Choose one that you will take with you. If you're going to be marooned on an island for a year, you can only take one movie. What is that movie? Spider-Man 2. 
Oh, you really do Spider-Man love Raimi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Spider-Man Two. You know, and it's not even my favorite movie. My favorite movie of all time is Forrest Gump. Yeah, and I feel like it's pretty basic, but but uh, Spider-Man Two would definitely be the one I'd bring. No, no doubt about it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think yeah. that's a great choice, and yeah. that's that's the thing. That's why I'm trying to get uh, you know anybody that answers that question. I it might not necessarily be your favorite movie, but one that is so rewatchable that, you know, you can just watch it a hundred times and not get sick of it, you know? So, okay, cool. Question number two. Um, what is question number two? I think it's what, what is your favorite movie theater snack? I think, I think that's question number two. We'll just say that's question number two, favorite movie theater snack. Gotta go Twizzlers. I'm a Twizzler guy. And I feel like it's, it, it's not a loud snack either. I, I like I like being quiet around everybody around me. I like to quietly eat my Twizzlers in peace. <laughs> but yeah, I think Twizzlers are definitely my pick. Nice. I mean, popcorn. I, I have popcorn every time I go to the theater. But if I were to like a specific snack, would definitely be Twizzlers. Okay, now now this is the real question: cherry or strawberry Twizzlers? Strawberry. <laughs> strawberry. Good deal, man. Okay, question yeah. number three is. What is the first movie that made you cry? Hmm. Forrest Gump. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Forrest Gump. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I cried a few times when I saw that for the first I was a kid, but uh, that movie really got me. Uh, I mean, from uh, Forrest's mom dying from Bubba dying and Jenny dying, they're all, they all hit hard. And, it, and I feel like it's kind of like, it's movie magic because it's all like, it's Sylvester-y like playing with me, like playing with your emotions. Cause that, that score is just like, oh my, it's one of my favorite scores of all time. And it hits me so hard every single time I watch it. I love it. Nice. Good deal, man. Good deal. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Question number four is, do you have a favorite director and or actor? So I know you, you answered, you answered the first part. So go ahead and tell the listeners again, but uh, uh, if, if you have a favorite actor as well, uh, let us know. This may shock a few people, but my favorite actor of all time is Matthew McConaughey. Oh yes. All right. All right. All right. I love Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Ever since days confused, days confused. One of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Mud. Mud was great. And I, I love Mud. Mud holds a special place in my oh. heart because I've actually, like, I've been fishing where they shot that movie really? in Arkansas. Oh, my so, gosh. like, I, I, know, I know exactly where that spot is. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And McConaughey, I love it. Dallas Buyers Club. Interst- the man does not miss. Wolf of Wall Street, one of the greatest scenes of all time, in my opinion. i love it i love it dude i'm so happy you mentioned mud i i have tried to i've tried to share this movie with as many people as i can i think it's one of the most underrated movies of the last 20 years and i listened to an interview that um that matthew mcconaughey gave you know he's he's like a big texas longhorn fan you know he's from austin texas and stuff like that but uh i I, he was uh I don't know, he, he, he was visiting college game day, I think, or something. And they asked him, what is the favorite, what, what is your favorite movie that you have filmed? And he said, mud. And so I know, I know for Matthew McConaughey, that so cool. yeah, that, that, that so for cool. him, it holds yeah. a special place in his heart, but that movie, 
that movie is is really really good it's really good so kudos to you man i love that yeah yeah so and then your favorite director was steven spielberg yeah 100 percent. yeah okay last question man and this is the one that i i was referencing that you got to think a little bit all right so it's a little tricky all right all right question number five is if you could change the ending of any one movie which movie would you would it be and how would you change it so um to give you a reference, uh, I, a uh, Ryan, I don't, or, I don't remember what your answer was for this, but this was my answer. This is, this will just kind of give you, I guess, a kind of a clue on what I mean. So, even though, even though Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King, the ending is accurate to the books, I, I always felt that because Frodo, the way that the ring was destroyed between Frodo and Gollum fighting over it. That it just kind of accidentally fell into, you know, the the fires uh, the, the, of Mordor or whatever. Um, that it just it felt a little anticlimactic, and so because Peter Jackson took some liberties on changing things throughout, I thought that maybe this would have been a good opportunity to change, and you could show something more poignant on whether it's Frodo or Gollum even willingly destroying it, and so that it, it's. The movies are, per, in my mind, they're they're cinema perfection. I like I can watch those movies anytime. I love them. They always move me to tears. But that that ending, I always felt that maybe you could have made it even more powerful than it is by by just tweaking it a little bit. So might sound blasphemous to the diehard Tolkien fans. <laughs> so, uh, but that was my answer. So, what about you? Do you have, do you have a uh, something that you might change? I was running through them in my head just now, and the first ending, which I like it, I like the ending, but it could be a little more solid in how it's delivered, is The Dark Knight Rises. I feel like The Dark Knight Rises could have been more clear in its ending. I feel like my take on it is that Batman's dead. Like I feel yeah. like that's like my that's my personal take on it, and it was just uh, and it was just uh, Alfred uh, imagining Bruce with his ideal life. Because if you look at it, it, it lines up like exactly how he like like how did Bruce know exactly to sit there? Like what like what are the circumstances of that exact shot? Like being just like how Alfred imagined it, which is why I also think that uh, Cobb didn't make it in, in, in Inception because of how the kids ah. are doing the same thing. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I would change it. I would definitely change that. I, I think it needed to be a little bit more clear and because uh, it felt it felt like with adding Catwoman to to it, I, I felt like it was no one saying, uh, yeah, he's still alive. He's <laughs> off the end happy. And I'm just like, eh, he just got nuked. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But then it's just, but it's just like, oh, autopilot's fixed, and it's just like, eh, it's a little. Eh. Well, I think that I yeah. kind, of, I, I kind of actually agree. I, 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 I like it, but I agree, and I did always think that, yeah, it kind of sits in the middle of it either being maybe kind of not obvious enough or too obvious, and I think that. For me, when I was watching it, I, I actually thought it was going to kind of end on just seeing Alfred nod and you not see Bruce. And mm. so therefore it gives yes. you that kind of inception feeling of, did he see him? 
you know what I mean? Like, did he did he see him? Like, and then it gives you that kind of that vibe of going like, and then you can argue whether Batman's alive or not, and yeah. no one ever really know the answer, and it always be like that, and Nolan will only ever know the answer. Like a lot of Nolan films are like Inception, like and it's like mm-hmm. he has the answers to these things, and he's good at keeping these secret, and therefore it, it builds discussion. But without seeing it, was then it was a little bit like like you say. Is he really alive? Because it all kind of fitted a bit too perfectly, and therefore it's like. But you did see him. But then it's like, how did he survive a nuke? And then it just kind of it asks more <laughs> sour questions than like intriguing questions. So I think yeah, I I, I agree. Even though it, I, I still kind of like it, and a lot of people I think wanted to see Bruce still alive. I think it's emotionally satisfying. I think it's emotionally yeah. satisfying. You you get the emotional. You know, it, it's satisfying in that way, but logically it's like eh, i feel like he could have uh, brought the puzzle pieces together a little bit better or left them open which I, I like your suggestion where it's just alfred nodding i feel like that would be a super cool that, so, that would have been super cool and that but i i, I like i like the robin stuff like it, it's okay it's all right <laughs> so there's yeah. there's um there's a line toward the end of the movie where um I can't remember who who tells Bruce, but he's he's like getting ready to go confront um, um, <clears throat> Bane again, and and they say, "Haven't you given haven't you given everything to Gotham yet?" And he says, "Not yet, not everything." And I always assumed that his reference, what he was talking about, was to, to give to give his life. That I'm going to lay down my life for the city. And uh, so yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I'm with you guys. Yeah, I think just a little bit of tweaking could have really really changed the the impact of that of the ending pretty drastically so um Andre, guys, yeah before, go ahead, you, before you wrap before you wrap it up so in your list of stuff that you're going to talk about obviously the tweet that we got in was kind of what genre would we like to see nolan do next okay in the, your in your questions it was what would you kind of like to see next for me which was like kind of a bit more specific to, uh, oh, okay. to genre okay. i was okay. excited to kind of get your opinion on this so i kind of want to I want to kind of hear it because for me, if I was to ask him to do next, I don't count this as a genre. So maybe I should have said it before, but I would love, love for Nolan to do the next Bond and start the new, uh, the new era of Bond, in my opinion. Yeah. What do you guys think? Oh man. I like that. It, it like kind of, as a British filmmaker, you got to think that a lot of British filmmakers kind of feel like that that's something that they want to do at least one time in their life. Um, so I don't know. I think I think that could be really cool, and, and it, depending on the who, on who they choose next as the next James Bond, um, yeah, I don't know. I, but but here's the thing: if if they do allow him to do the next one, or if he wants it, I mean, obviously, if he said I want to do Bond, they're going to let him do Bond. But are they going to say, hey, sign a contract to do three Bond films? You know, does he want to do that? So I, I don't know. I think Bond could be good honestly whatever he chooses i just don't think he can do he can't do any wrong <laughs> the dude can't do any wrong he's done he's done he's done a world war ii movie you know he's done he just did a spy thriller you know he's done dc you know superhero movies you know he's done mind sci-fi. yeah i mean just yeah like spy fi space mo- uh, sci-fi space movie like i mean he's really kind of touched it all so um, do you guys, I mean, Except do you have, for horror. yeah, yeah, no, I know. I think yeah. horror could be really good, yeah, you know, yeah. like just, uh, I, I think, yeah. I think, you know, uh, what Jordan Peele has done for the horror genre, you know, and just really expanding, uh, the, the level of critical thinking, you know, within the horror genre, I think, I think Nolan could really, really expound on that. So, 
Does that does that satisfy you, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. 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 Mean, what about you, Brian? You agree? Yeah. Kubrick did The Shining. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know. You, I feel like it's in his wheelhouse, and I feel like he, he could do something cool and big. The Shining is a really big horror movie. Like it really big is. Sets, yeah. And I feel like that could suit Nolan for sure. Yeah, no, th- those are great, man. That's great. It's going to be exciting to see what he does next. I mean, that's always kind of the anticipation, you know, you get out of the Nolan film, you're like, oh, I wonder what's next. <laughs> you guys, this has been a lot of fun. Honestly, Brian, this has been one of my favorite podcasts we've done in a while. Um, it's been really great having you on. Um, so before we get you out, we're just going to, uh, I'll let Rye, um let the listeners know how to get a hold of him and then, and then you'll have your turn. So Rye, um, how can the listeners follow you or get a hold of you online? As always, it's Ryan from lifeoffilms.com. If you want to catch up, have a chat, and you can just get through to me on there. All right, Brian, your turn. Uh, at DR Movie News 1 on Twitter and at Real DR Movie News on Letterboxd. Brian, again, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Listeners, you heard it. Uh, if you're not already following DR Movie News, go and follow them on Twitter. They're a great follow. Um, and listeners, thanks so much. Thanks for downloading today's episode. And we'll catch you guys uh, next week at the movies. The Backseat Director's theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. The Backseat Directors podcast is available to download on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and most other podcast platforms. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. of movies we can all choose from there's action adventure animation and comedy there's sci-fi and westerns and classics documentaries uh, so many options so much variety there's a perfect movie for you and him and her and me uh, so find your seat in the perfect row Sit back, relax, kick up your feet, and turn off your phone.